Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. All right, Romans chapter 2. Uh, we're going to continue our, uh, our series. Uh, last week, uh, we looked at, uh, you know, God, uh, in chapter, the beginning of chapter 2, and how that uh, no man has an excuse before God. Uh, we looked at uh, God's judgment upon man uh, for continuing to ignore him, and uh, that uh, we become hard of heart, and uh, we, we uh, begin to, uh, in our rebelliousness towards God, um, at mankind, as they reject God, um, you know, that uh, we, we looked at how, uh, again, that God sears upon our, our conscience, a, a, a understanding of the basic moral law uh, of Scripture, so that uh, if we uh, obey some tenets of the law, but not all the tenets of the law, we're still guilty before God. Uh, so even those who uh, did not receive what we call the Torah, uh, as Paul would be talking about here today, uh, the actual uh, law of God that was given to Moses uh, and the nation of Israel, you still have the knowledge of right and wrong written upon your heart. And if you violate that in any time, you're guilty. Amen. So, uh, you know, I used to be a youth pastor for many years, and uh, the kids would always say, how can I be guilty when I haven't done anything wrong? Why am I responsible for what Adam and Eve did? Uh, because the truth is, from a theological perspective, uh, after Adam and Eve sinned, every single person that is born on the face of this earth uh, is born into sin. And uh, has a, 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 we're born separated from God, and we need to be reconciled to God, which is why he said Jesus Christ to die upon the cross. But when the kids would say to me, why am I being punished for Adam and Eve's sin? I would say, well, uh, have you ever stole anything? You ever cheated on a test? Have you, <laughs> right? Uh, because anything that you and I do that violates the moral law, law of God that is written upon our hearts, regardless if you know the Ten Commandments or not, it, we've sinned before God and we're guilty before God. And so uh, today we're going to uh, focus uh, upon uh, those who are religious. In fact, we're going to be looking at the nation of Israel specifically. Uh, you know, uh, those who God gave uh, the law to, the chosen people of God, the nation of Israel, the Jews. And uh, we're going to look at how uh, despite that they were chosen by God, Despite the fact that they were given uh, what Paul will call the oracles of God later in chapter 3, the law of God, God revealed himself to them a special way in spite of their heritage, in spite of their knowledge, in spite of their ceremonies, it will not protect them from God's judgment. And here's the thing for you and I as we look at this today. We need to understand that it may be easy to point fingers at, 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 at the Jewish people for rejecting the Messiah and believing that they were protected and are protected by their rituals and the law. Uh, even though Jesus said, I come to fulfill the law, 
uh, you know, uh, even though they feel like they're protected, they'll, they'll still suffer the, the judgment of God if they don't accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And the same applies for you and I, and that we may re live religiously outside. We may confess Christ with their mouths, but not have an internal reality, which makes us just as guilty before God. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Uh, we are uh, uh, not accepted by association, is essentially what Paul is telling his readers here today, specifically his Jewish readers here in this chapter, is that we're not automatically accepted into the kingdom of God. We're not automatically uh, uh, you know, given uh, a justification and, and God setting us free simply because we're associated with it. Acceptance is not association. What I mean by that is uh, I uh, grew up playing football uh, in my backyard. Uh, backyard football. Uh, by the time that I was in high school, I, I knew football inside and outside. By then in my freshman year, I knew the rules. I was a big football fanatic and, uh, and everything and just loved football. But guess what? I never played football on a team. But boy, did I love football. I knew all the rules of football. Right? I, I could tell us when someone was breaking, uh, causing a penalty, and I would know the penalty before the ref called it. To this day, I can usually call the penalties before the ref called it, right? I'd like, I know the game, but I never played football. So guess what that means? I'm not a football player. I know the game of football. I know the rules of football, but I've never suited up and played football. Right? And so if you and I know the rules and we know we have been taught and we know what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to live, and just because we have it doesn't mean that we are walking in it. Amen. Right? If we have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter who our parents were, our grandparents were, it doesn't matter who your husband and your wife is, it doesn't matter uh, any of those things. What matters is my relationship with God. And so the first thing that Paul is saying is that your heritage, the Jewish heritage, uh, is not going to protect you. So if you look with me now in the verse 17, it says, Indeed, you are called a Jew, and rest on the law, and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. He's saying to the Jewish uh, readers, he's saying, look, you pride yourselves in knowing the law, you pride yourselves in teaching other about God and about the law, uh, you, you believe that you're the light to the world, right? You've got the truth, uh, but you're ignoring Christ. And that's what he's uh, about to tell them here in a minute. So he, first he says, indeed you are called a Jew. Now in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, they were called Hebrews. Uh, but then when uh, Israel uh, split in two, the northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. Okay? The northern kingdom was actually so rebellious before God that they were actually, the, that kingdom was taken in uh, first into slavery and, uh, and separated. They were conquered first. Judah had uh, some kings that were more uh, like Jehoshaphat, who were more honoring of God, even though they had definitely more wicked kings than they had good kings, right? For they had uh, more good kings, uh, and they uh, 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 had more times of repentance, and so God spared them longer. But ultimately, Judah is who we traditionally talk about as being taken exile into Babylon. 
All right? And so uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he takes them. And so from the name Judah is why they began to be called Jews. And Judah means praise. So whenever you are uh, speaking of the Jewish people and you say Jew, you are essentially saying praise. You're, you're giving God glory. That's, that's what Judah means. And so that's why we call those who are of Hebrew descent now Jews because of Judah. And they became, uh, were really began to be called that uh, after their exile into Babylon. All right? And so what uh, Paul is saying here is uh, despite their great heritage, Despite their origins, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, right? Despite all of these, Moses, Joshua, all of this heritage that they had and all of these godly patriarchs, that was God going to save them and it had become a sense of pride. And no more better represented than the Pharisees and the Sadducees who believed that they alone held the way to God uh, and that uh, it was up to your uh, obedience to the Bible on if you were a good enough person or not, or obedience to the law, I should say. Uh, and what they would do is they, one of the things that the Pharisees did is that they didn't just take the law that God had given in the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, what they did is they added to it. And so what they did is they added things to the law to help you obey the law. Right? And they, they added external things to the law of God that was supposed to help you obey the law of God. Things that were not in the original law at all. And then if you did not obey those things that they had put in place, they would criticize you and call you out and, 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 and you know, uh, look down upon you. Right? Uh, and so they were very prideful, very arrogant, uh, which is why John the Baptist called them a brood of vipers and even Jesus uh, uh, was very disparaging because they had become prideful and arrogant about their heritage. Okay? Um, and they were not, uh, you and I must understand that despite our heritage, we are, have our, our own relationship that we must have with God. Mm -hmm. uh, we got a lot of children who are relying on the relationship of their mom and dad with God to get them into heaven. Amen. In our world today. Uh, apathetic young men and women. Uh, who are maybe raised in church, who were brought to church by their mom, their dad, their grandparents every single Sunday and sat upon a pew and gone to Sunday school who are apathetic and, 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 and I believe that uh, just by proxy they're going to make it, right? Uh, we've got a lot of men in our churches today who are apathetic, relying on their wives to be the spiritual leaders in their household, Relying on their wives to be uh, uh, everything that the man was, the priest of the household. And they're apathetic in believing that, uh, you know, uh, through proxy, they're going to be okay because their wife does everything. And their wife is okay with the Lord, so they're going to be okay. And, and that's a sad state of affairs that we're in when we believe that somebody else is going to help us get into heaven. And the Jews, could, it didn't matter that they were children of Abraham if they uh, were not accepting of Christ. In fact, uh, Matthew chapter 3, 7 through 9 uh, says, uh, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to the baptism, this is John the Baptist, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Your heritage doesn't mean anything apart from God. Amen. 
That's what he's telling them. Our heritage, apart from God, does not mean anything. In fact, many times we take out our or take our heritage that we've been blessed with, we take it for granted. Our spiritual heritage. The nation of Israel took their spiritual spiritual uh, spiritual heritage for granted, and you and I that have been raised in church with godly parents, godly grandparents, we take for granted that spiritual heritage. Right? Um, we, uh, you know, if you've got a, 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 a this, this happens today in society where a, uh, someone has worked very hard uh, from nothing and built themselves up and maybe started a company and the company has great success and then they believe that they're going to turn it over to their children when they pass away and they turn it over to their children but their children have never really had to work for anything and their children have never had to really put in those long hours it takes to run something like that. They've never really sacrificed dad or mom or both made all those sacrifices and then when that business gets turned to them what do they do? They run it right into the ground because they were not prepared their heritage did not prepare them to work in that company. Our heritage alone does not qualify us to be children of God. Amen. It is that personal relationship. And that's why many children, uh, they uh, don't appreciate that spiritual heritage. And when they get outside, uh, away from the influence of their parents, they do walk away. Mm -hmm. But, praise the Lord, the Bible tells us that if you raise a child in the way that they should go when they are old, they will not depart from it. And so they will have that inside of them. And so we just... Uh, but before you uh, walk away, keep in mind that you are blessed that you have that spiritual heritage. As you uh, begin to blossom and grow, guys, and as you begin to leave that nest and you begin to get out on your own, remember that you've been blessed with something special. Amen. A mom, a dad, a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, a sister or a brother who's prayed for you and raised you in a fear and a knowledge of God. Yeah. That's something special and becoming more and more uh, uh, unseen in our society today. Next, they would not be saved by their knowledge. So their heritage would not save them. Their knowledge would not save them. No matter how many scriptures they had memorized, the Pharisees were incredibly educated, right? They knew the, uh, the law, specifically those first five Books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, inside and out. Not only that, they were the educated in society. Many were lawyers. They were teachers, right? These, these guys, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were the educated among the people. And when you ask them a question about the Bible, they could answer. You ask them a question about the Old Testament, they could answer. History, heritage, they were the guys. They were the scholars. But knowledge alone cannot save us. It is the application of knowledge, which is wisdom. Yes. Right? Being able to uh, have that faith in Christ and act upon it, to call upon him as Lord and Savior. Just knowing about Christ, the James said, even, even the demons believe that God exists. Amen. So just knowing that God exists or believing that God exists isn't enough. It's not our knowledge that saves us, it's faith that saves us in Jesus Christ. That's why someone who, that's why again, as I stated last week, and I'm sure you'll hear me say it a million times throughout this study, 
is that salvation is a great equalizer. Yes. Because it doesn't matter how educated we are or uneducated we are in the world's standards. It doesn't matter our wealth. It does not matter our job status, our social status, our race. None of that matters before God. What matters before God is we stand bare before him and confess our sins and that he is Lord of our life. Amen. That's what it all comes down to. Amen. All right. Romans uh, chapter 2, uh, 17 18 again says, And rest on the law and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, be instruct being instructed out of the law. Now that ver uh, word that's translated rest would be re uh, better translated rely. So they are, it, it says, they are relying on the law, they rely on the law, and make their boast in God. They claim to know his will, and they approve of the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law. Now, this is a good thing, right? That we should, if, if from face value, that's what we should all be relying on, right? It's the truth of God's word, on, you know, our knowledge of God, on, on what God has taught us, on what he's revealed to us in scripture. But this has become a source of pride for them. Uh, so let me uh, explain. When I was uh, younger... Uh, I, uh, I, I uh, happened to know God's word. I had started going to church when I was a, a kindergarten, somewhere around there, and was in Sunday school. And my mom had us, if the doors of the church were open, me and my brother, we were there, right? Uh, and so it just so happens that over that time, you, you, over years, you begin to kind of saturate, right? Now, you don't get into, I never got into the nitty-gritty, but by the time I was 12 or 13, I could pretty much uh, uh, answer any question you threw at me. I, I deliberately asked questions of the teacher to mess them up. I was arrogant, and I was a jerk, right? <laughs> I was prideful. Right, and so I, I took pride in being able to ask my poor Sunday school teacher some horrible question that they couldn't answer in front of everybody else. Right, I thought my knowledge was so vast that this 12 year old, uh, in fact, there's a Sunday school teacher I had. Uh, I, we actually uh, still he lives in the area. Uh, he uh, gave uh, uh, gave us gun safety lessons. Uh, my family and I um, and taught us a gun safety course. My my youngest uh, uh, is very interested in. Uh, shooting and, uh, and so we wanted to do a gun safety course with the family and so we did that together he taught it and you know what the first thing he said to me was yeah he said I remember them questions you used to ask me in Sunday school and and then we would laugh about it now I'm sure he wasn't laughing about it then right uh, but that pride didn't save me my knowledge of, you know, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel and could name them all or being able to name all 12 disciples or being able to, you know, answer this question or answer, that didn't do me any good without practical application calling Paul Christ as Lord and Savior. It's like Monopoly, right? You know, you have a get-out-of-jail-free card, uh, you know, you, you land on jail and then you get lucky enough to get a get-out-of-jail-free uh, get card. Well, my knowledge... Is that a, uh, a get-out-of-jail-free card before God? Amen. My vast understanding of Scripture, anyone, is not a get-out-of-jail-free get card Amen. before God. Uh, and, uh, the, the, but the Jewish people believe because they had the law, uh, the, specifically the spiritual leaders at that time, the religious leaders, believe because they had the law, knew the law frontwards, backwards, outwards, that uh, somehow that was going to save them, they'd be okay. Dis 
despite the fact that they themselves did not obey the law. So let's look at that. Romans chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. And are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. Again, that pride and that arrogance, believing that, you know, the religious leaders, believing, and the Jews believing that, you know, they were this great light to the blind, and uh, that they were an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. Again, they believed that, the, that they possessed the law, they, the law belonged to them, uh, they were confident, and in and of themselves, that's not a bad thing. So I don't want us to start looking down upon the Jewish people. And again, Paul is going to uh, go into why it's uh, great to be have that Jewish heritage and how awesome it is. But he's trying to make his, his, his Jewish readers understand that if they were relying on their heritage to save them and not Christ, it's not going to do them any good. If they were looking down upon others and judging the Gentiles, which they had a habit of doing, that wasn't going to do them any good, right? Uh, that's why they had such an issue uh, within uh, when this church was started and during this time where the Jews were coming in trying to force the Gentiles to be circumcised, to obey all the rules as it relates to food that were uh, put in the law because they felt like they had the ownership of it. And they could now force the Gentiles to convert to Judaism. And that's what Paul spent a great deal of time in his letters fighting against it. So that's what he's talking about here. You know, uh, you consider yourself to be these things. Matthew Henry says the best work, when it is prided in, is unacceptable to God. It is good to instruct the foolish and to teach faith, but considering our own ignorance and folly and inability to make these teachings successful without God, there is nothing to be proud of. Right? So it's great to teach. It's great to preach. It's okay to be have confidence. Right? It's okay. But if we don't acknowledge that our dependence upon God, Amen. and that it is God who handles the results, Amen. and that God used a donkey to tell Balaam to not go curse the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. Right? God can use anyone at any time to accomplish his purpose and his will. Amen. Right? And so we need to give God the glory. And if he's called you to be a teacher, a preacher, if you're gifted and you love scripture and you love studying, know that that came from God. Your ability to understand, your ability to, 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 to reason, that comes from God. That doesn't come from man. You don't Amen. have that on your own. That's how God made you. That's how God made me. We should become prideful and arrogant in it. Verses 21 and 22. You therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you uh, rob temples? So now he's done getting into meddling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So the thing about your readers, they're reading, oh yeah, we, we know the Bible, we know the word, we ain't like these Gentiles. Right? God revealed himself to us and uh, you know, he, we're his chosen people, and I, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all these people, the patriarchs, you know, and all these awesome folks were, were their lineage and awesome. And then Paul nails them. And he says, You do tell everyone else that these things are wrong. Do you still practice them? He says, Do you steal, sin against others? 
Do you commit adultery, sinning against yourself? Do you commit idolatry, where you sin against God? Do we preach of loving our neighbor, but steal from him? Do we preach of holy living, yet lust in our hearts? Do we preach of our love for God, yet show him none? J. Vernon McGee writes in a small little poem, The gospel is written a chapter a day by deeds that you do and words that you say. Men read what you say, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? What a challenge to us. Do we say one thing with our mouths, but live something completely different with mm -hmm. our Are we telling others what's all wrong with them while ignoring ourselves? It's what Jesus said. Don't judge your brother with the uh, speck in his eye when we have a plank in our eye. Amen. Right? And remember, the minute that we judge somebody else, we're actually judging ourselves as well. As if we do, because we're saying we know that what is being done is wrong. Mm -hmm. And if we're still doing those things, then we're a judge of ourselves. We're actually sitting in judgment of ourselves and we don't even recognize it. Mm -hmm. If we can point out right and wrong in others, and, and then that lets us know that we can point out right and wrong in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Romans 23, of 2, 23 and 24. You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking law? Now listen to this. This is so convicting. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. Paul is saying that while the uh, you know they uh, while God and His law were an honor to them, and they boasted and they prided themselves in, they dishonored God and His law because of their disobedience to it. And by being disobedient of the law, they were demonstrating to the Gentiles their disdain of the law, their lack of respect for the one who gave it to them resulting in Gentiles dishonoring the God of Israel. That's why God in, in the Old Testament took it, was so, what we might even consider harsh, because the nation of Israel was meant to be a light, a blessing to demonstrate uh, God to the world. And, and yet, when they committed idolatry and they consistently lived in rebelliousness towards God, it caused the Gentiles to also ignore their God. The real God, the one true God. And in our world today, you know, even those of us who are the most religious and know the most and, you know, been born and raised in church, if we are not living outside of these walls, what we say we live inside of these walls, then we are a stumbling block to the world. Amen. And that is frightening. Amen. Amen. That is frightening. That what a great responsibility that we have, that if we're telling everyone how much we love Jesus, uh, but then we're also not living that out, that we're actually a stumbling block to them. Yes. I mean, Paul says, the, the name of God is blasphemed among the nations because of you. Blasphemy means denying God's existence, calling God names, dishonoring God, blatantly dishonoring God. Uh, 
when you and I walk in a way that is not honoring of God, yet with our mouths we talk about how much we love God, we are actually doing a disservice and harming the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. I, I, that scares me because I know there have been times in my life where I've been very, you know, people know who I am and they know that I love Christ, especially when I was younger, but I would lose my temper or I would not behave the way I should behave at work. What I'm not talking about doing awful things, but I'm talking about maybe participating and uh, talking bad about people around the water cooler, getting mad and talking bad about my boss, right? Deciding I was going to take an hour and a half for lunch instead of an hour for lunch. People notice things like that. They notice, right? Uh, and, and, and you and I call ourselves Christians, and then they begin to mock God because of our lack of obedience to God, the one we claim to love. We claim to love God. We claim to love Christ. But when we're not living it out, we cause others to sin. And that's what Paul is saying to the Jewish readers. Look. Uh, your preaching, constant preaching of the, of the law of God, but your disobedience to it causes those around you, the Gentiles that you look down upon, they're blaspheming God because of you. So you can teach as much as you want to, but when you don't obey it, they're laughing at you, and they're laughing at God. Mm -hmm. Right? 23. I'm sorry. Uh, let's go now to... So not only their, their knowledge, their heritage, but their ceremonies and their uh, uh, religious practices will not save them. Verse 25 says, For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Now circumcision was not completely unheard of uh, during uh, this period uh, of history. But it the special religious and, uh, uh, you know, uh, theocratic um, uh, significance that was applied to it, that was new when God introduced that uh, to Abraham, circumcision, right? So uh, circumcision was instituted by God, uh, first and foremost, uh, well, first to say that these people belong to Abraham. They were, they belong to, or so they were the seed of Abraham, they belong to God. But also was a, a, an outward demonstration of just how bad sin was, and 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 the you know uh, how sin impacted us. It, it, it symbolized the need for a profoundly deep cleansing to reverse the effects of depravity. So it separated them it, 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 as the people of God. So it had religious. Uh, implications implications as it relates to their heritage but it also symbolized how lost and depraved man was without God and we needed God and the measures required for God to forgive us and that was a sacrifice of his son alright and so uh, Paul says so circumcision is profitable right it is good for a Jew to be circumcised it's, you're a child of Abraham you're saying that, you know, it's a, a physical representation of, of, of being uh, uh, reconciled to God and that you're different than everybody else. But it's only profitable if you keep the law. Who cares if you're circumcised if you disobey God anyways? Who cares if you've been baptized if we disobey God anyways? Who cares if you were dedicated as a baby if you disobey God anyways? Who cares how big your Bible is 
if you disobey God anyway. Yep. Who cares what other rituals, what other things that we participated in throughout, uh, you know, we believe in the sacraments. We believe in communion, right? We believe in, in foot washing as stated in scripture, right? We believe in baptism, but none of those things save you. If I participate in a sacrament, communion, baptism, foot washing, but I still live in sin, I'm still a sinner. Amen. Those things do not save us. They are a reflection and a reminder of what God has done to, for us internally, but they do not save us by themselves. So, you and I uh, are baptized, yet uh, we do not obey the law of God. Our baptism doesn't mean anything. And that's what Paul is saying here. Just because you're circumcised, if you do not obey God's law, you're a sinner. It doesn't do anything good for you. The outward symbol has nothing to do, or I'm sorry, the outward symbol was nothing without the inner reality. No matter how big the crucifix is that you wear, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's the inward reality if we're not truly followers of Christ. Amen. Right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the outward symbol was nothing without the inward reality. Look at verse 26. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Now he's going a step further. They were very proud that they were different and they had these religious rules and that they participated in these uh, ceremonies and these religious things. Uh, but Paul says, look, even if a Gentile is not circumcised, if he obeys the law of God, it makes him better than you. He, he ain't even circumcised, but if he keeps the law of God, well, he's as good as you are, better than you, right? Um, there was a man I knew growing up, his name was Marshall Metcalf, and he loved the fish. And Marshall was like and the best fisherman I have ever known to this day. And I used to go fishing with, all the, uh, with him, and I would have my giant tackle box, you know, and I would have my fishing pole, and I'd catch nothing all day long, catch nothing. He would literally have his hip waders, a fishing pole, or a fly rod, and a fly, a couple flies. That's all he would have in his stringer. That man would go out for an hour, come back, and have it full. <laughs> he can literally, us kids would be playing in the river, uh, uh, splashing. He can walk down in the middle of that river, throw out a line, and pull out a fish. I tell you, he, he, I've never seen anything like it. But he looked at him, you were like, this guy can't fish. He don't have none of the gear. He's just got a fishing pole and a stringer. <laughs> but he caught the fish. He lived it out. He knew best fisherman I ever known. Here I was. I had all the gear, had my hat and my vest and all my tackle box and my lures and all of these things. I couldn't catch one fish. So having the gear didn't make me a fisherman. This guy who looked like he wasn't a fisherman, just because he didn't look like it, the fact that he caught fish said that he was. Mm -hmm. And just because I looked like one, the fact that I didn't catch any fish said that I wasn't. Yeah. And that's what Paul is saying here, right? That's exactly what he's saying. Verse 27. 
And while not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law of God, judge who you who, even with your written code and circumcision, are transgressors of the law. Again, to add to the illustration above about Marshall, the many fish caught by Marshall was a direct indictment on the skills of the other fishermen. Right? No matter... Right? So uh, the, the Gentiles, if they were obedient to the law, serving God, uh, they were, it was, a, and the Jews weren't, it didn't matter. They were actually an indictment against the Jews. Right? And the Jewish readers reading this, they would have been, this, this would have been a slap to them. Right? This would have been a, oh, really? He's, he's, because he's wanting them to know that you need Jesus. So if you were sitting back saying, well, I'm not a debased mind, you know, and I'm not committing all this sexual immorality and all of these things, which Paul's talking about in chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2, so I'm all good. Paul said, you ain't all good. And uh, here's why. You have the law, you don't obey the law. Uh -huh. Right? Just because you're a Jew. All right. Verses 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not of the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. The outward right is of value only when it reflects the inner reality of a heart separated from sin unto God. Deuteronomy chapter 10 Verse 16 says, Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. It's the circumcision of the heart that matters. It's God cleaning all that junk out. That's what matters. And he's going to talk about that. Paul's going to talk about that more here in chapter 3. The circumcision of the heart, not the circumcision of the flesh. I believe it's the prophet Joel, when he was talking to the nation of Israel, he told them to, uh, to not rend their, their garments, but to rend their hearts and repentance. Mm -hmm. Because during that time, it was a uh, known uh, thing that if you were sorry, or if you had gotten caught in something, to make this great physical outward display of how sorry you were, right? So they would tear their clothes and put on sackcloth and they would put ash on their foreheads. All this big outward display of just how sorry they were. The thing was is they weren't really sorry on the inside. Mm -hmm. Amen. And so Joel told them, look, don't rend your hearts or rend your garments. Don't put ash on your forehead. Don't do all this outward, you know, expression. Instead, get up, clean yourself, put on your nice clean clothes. Rend this guy. Tear this guy. Because you're so remorseful for your sin. Right? That's where repent true repentance comes from. Not through knowledge. Not through heritage. Not through uh, 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 adherence to some set of rules or regulations. It comes through repentance. Amen. Rending our hearts. Amen. So physical, a physical outward expression is only important if it reflects an inner reality. Mm -hmm. That's the only time it matters. Mm -hmm. Right? 
And so uh, remember that uh, it all comes down to your and my relationship with God. It's not dependent upon anybody else. It's not dependent upon how smart we are. None of those things. It does not depend on how much scripture we know. It's only dependent upon our reliance upon Jesus Christ as our sacrifice and God's mercy and grace and forgiveness. Amen. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.